So there is this phrase that I keep hearing over and over again, and it's the phrase, these are unprecedented times that we are living in. And I agree, but I want to add that these are prophetic times that we are living in. Um, I want to start uh, the message today um, talking about the supermoon. The supermoon that is going to show up on Passover. Uh, this uh, week, Wednesday, is Passover. And I want to tell you that this supermoon, where it seems like the moon is, is extra big, it's like, I think it's 15% larger uh, in, in how it appears to us in the night sky, that is literally showing up on the night of, of Passover, this Wednesday, is not happenstance. There is no coincidences with God. He does everything on time, exactly prescribed the way that he wants. And right now he's getting the world's attention. Um, I talked about how uh, Purim was the last supermoon. Uh, and, and when we see a supermoon and a sign in the heavens show up and then correlate with the feasts of the Lord, it's, it's the Lord saying, I want you to pay attention. He's getting our attention. So right now we have the largest supermoon of the entire year of 2020 is going to be appearing as the Jews around the world perform their Passover Seder. <laughs> this Passover, listen to me, it resembles the first version of that, that first Passover that they had there in Egypt. While the angel of death uh, lie outside their, their homes, families, pictured, huddled inside, in their homes. On that fast, first Passover night, all the Jews in Egypt were on lockdown because of the plague of the firstborn that was spoken of at the word of the Lord. The term Passover meant that the plague literally passed over the Jewish households as well as the Egyptian households that listened to the instructions of the Lord to place the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the lentil beam of their house and then stay inside. Listen to me. These are the headlines of the news right now. This year, the nation of Israel will be in total lockdown. Uh, now, I know that they, the world is in quarantine. Israel is in quarantine. But they're going into a total different lockdown situation. Let me read to you Exodus chapter 12, verse 23. For when the Lord goes through to smite the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, and the Lord will pass over the door and not let the destroyer enter to smite your home. The prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, who is over Israel, declared a full nationwide curfew for Passover Eve beginning at Sunday I'm on sundown on Wednesday. That's when the Passover begins, is when the, the sun goes down. 
on the Jewish calendar, I want to bring you into something else. On the Jewish calendar that we are in right now, it is called the month Nisan. Nisan. And, and every month has a characteristic that goes with it. Um, and the characteristic that goes with the month of Nisan is actually redemption. Are you putting the dots together here? Redemption. Now listen, if you and I learn to move with God in His timing and in His ways and the way that He has sanctified time and to listen to Him and His blueprint from ancient times because He allows us to go into a greater fulfillment of, of what He speaks month to month. You're, we watch and we're paying attention to what God has done in the past. He says, I spoke the end from the beginning. He is a God who literally is a God of order. And we are learning how to align ourselves with him. And he says, this is the month of redemption. If we learn to move with God in his time, we can move in his redemption for ourselves personally and our families. See, Egypt, listen to me. It was a place of trial. It was a place of trouble. It was a place of narrowness, and it was also a place of limitation for God's people. The enemy was inflicting trouble on, on them. Um, literally, there was a place of, it was slavery. There was no freedom for God's people in Egypt. And God was telling his people then, in the book of Exodus, but he's also speaking supernaturally. If you can put that lens and you put yourself in the story and you hear the spirit and what he's speaking to you and to me right now, there's lessons for us to learn as we align ourselves with his time, his way, his word. He says, God was telling his people as well as you and I today, in order to be your God, he said, I need to extract you from this place that place of narrowness, that place of limitation. You can't fully hear me. You can't fully see me. You can't fully let me be God to you in the way that I want to be because you're in this place in Egypt. But I have a plan, and I love this phrase. I heard this, and I'm going to share it with you. It, it, it goes like this. I must extract you from this place. He's extracting you and I from that place, Egypt, that narrowness, that limitation. God is doing that to you and I today if we can learn how to flow with Him. And that takes listening and it takes submitting to Him. Here we are at Pesach, or it's past Passover, this Wednesday, and we have this plague, Corona, that is outside. Israel was extracted from that ruling nation of their time. And God, what did he do at that time? He, he literally dismantled the enemy and all of the gods that the Egyptians served and worshiped and bowed down to and paid homage to. And he's doing that with you and I right now. Church, I need you to listen to me. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 19 the Lord has given this particular verse and passage to me very supernaturally, what, four times, 
four different sources, four different people, but all pointing to the very same place, the very same word. And I know that the Holy Spirit is circling this. He is highlighting this right now. It is a word from the Lord right now. This is Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 19. It says, if you turn back, then I will take you back. That's the Lord speaking. If you turn back, I will take you back. You will stand before me. And if you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, what is, what is precious, not what is vile, you will be as my mouth. If you come back, repentance, that, that word teruah, uh, repentance is not just turning away from, from sin or any idols or any separation from the Lord, but it's not a turning away, it's a turning to God. That's what repentance really is. Uh, to ruin, to God, I'll return, the Lord says. So here's that picture. If you can extract, church, right now, <laughs> listen, if you can extract the noble and the precious out of the worthless, then God says, I will make you my spokesman. Uh, and, and so here, God is moving right now. He is, he, we are living in prophetic times. His voice is getting loud and, and acute and, and focused and, and we are being sharpened and shaken so we can hear. But you know that whenever the Lord is moving, the enemy comes and he wants to move at the exact same time. Uh, you know, we see that in the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit is poured out. And here's a template. You see the persecution of the church go out at the exact same time. So the enemy is going to see what the Lord is doing and he just is a copier. He doesn't make anything and he tries to usurp what the Lord is doing. So you've got good going on that the Lord is doing, but you also have evil going on at the exact same time. And now is the time where the church needs to start to learn how to extract what is noble and precious out of the worthless. And then God will make you my spokesman here. He says. Now, why does that mean anything to us? Of course, I just gave this message to my son Isaac at his lunch before I came and taped, and I started explaining to him what it means to be the spokesman of God, uh, where you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you, and you all of a sudden start to partner with him. You start to hear him in the night watch. You start getting dreams and visions. He gives you supernatural wisdom. He gives you supernatural understanding for the things that are going on. He gives you supernatural provision and protection for you and your family, just like he does in the picture with the children of Israel as he extracts them from Egypt. He made water come from the rocks, right? He brought manna for them daily. He, he provided, he led them in, in physical glory glory and manifestations of the cloud and the pillar of fire. Uh, and he brought them into the promised land, which again is not a picture of heaven. It's the portion that God has for his children to live in here and now. So you want to be his spokesman because those are the things that are entailed in that. So God in this story, the Exodus, but he's doing it today. He's taking the people to himself. One of, do you know this, the Egyptian gods was actually the ram or the sheep? Did you know that? And so, so here you have God says, slaughter their God. Take their God, slaughter it, and then put the blood over here on the doorpost. Now also, we know 
that, that the Lamb of God, this was a picture and a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ himself, who literally is the, the Lamb of God, perfect, spotless, sinless, the Jesus who would come, who is the Son of God, and he would take away the sins of the world. His blood shed for you and shed for me for the remissions, the removal of our sin, the things that separate us from our Father and a relationship with Him. But this is a very interesting point, and I have never thought about it before. I learned this recently myself, just looking at it from a different view and lens point. The 10th plague is the only one that God said, you do one part in obedience, and I'll do the rest. All the other nine plagues have come and gone, but this last final plague that he's going to send, he says, I want you to partner with me. <laughs> I want you to partner with me, God. Why? Because he's a covenant God. He's a relationship God. We are, the, the whole thing is that we've been separated. His kids, you and I, made in his image and his likeness, right? We're his sons and his daughters. And we were never supposed to be separated from that relationship with our loving heavenly father. And so here he says, I want you, you must partner with me in this. You must apply the blood of the lamb over your doorposts and over your lentil and then stay under the covering of the blood of the lamb. Um, and, and then he says, and I will do the rest. You guys, listen, what, what they were going from, that place of Egypt, that narrowness, that limitation, that bondage, that foreign nation and foreign gods, and we're getting that picture of him extracting them in that first Passover. Uh, he was bringing them into a place of freedom. But what you and I think freedom is, is we get to just do whatever we want to do, think how we want to think. This is my life. This is my body. This is my time. These are my talents. Those are my kids. This is my family. This is my house. Whatever it is, that's my money. And we decide what is right and what is wrong and what to do with all of those things. But real freedom from slavery is not to do whatever you think is right. <laughs> real freedom is the Lord goes, I've given you free choice. Because love always has a choice. Some people don't like that. Why did he give it to us? Because love always has a choice. So he says, I'm pursuing you. I'm coming for you. I love you, but I will not force you to love me back. And he says, I'm going to give you this free choice so that you might obey me. <laughs> because that's where real freedom lies. Believe him. Submit to him to understand and come in alignment with his timing, his ways, the mind of God, the word of God, what he says is right and what he says is wrong. This brings you into freedom, things that you and I were made for. It's a longing and a yearning in your heart and you will never be satisfied until you do that. And the Lord is trying to bring us into a new place of experiencing that right now. You know, Haggai's prophecy 
ancient, old prophecy scriptures written long, long ago are coming to life in our day. And what that prophet said was, and it's true here and now, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken, and the kingdoms of the earth are being shaken. Everyone says, oh, there's been plagues and pestilence many, many times world over. The world has never been in a place of lockdown the way that we are right now. The world has never seen the economies of the world be stopped the way that we are seeing them happen right now. As the catchphrase goes on, it's unprecedented times. But again, I tell you, it is prophetic times. We are living in the last days. They are starting to open up before right now. Now listen, that first Passover, I love this. This is so cool. They were to stay in their house, every family, to have that Passover Seder. That's the meal that then would actually explain how God would extract them from this, this foreign nation and the foreign gods and, and set them free. And, and then they have the lamb and the blood was over. But wait, listen to this. He also told them in the scriptures, and I think he's telling this to you and I today, be ready. He says, wear your belts. He says, be belted and have your shoes on and your walking stick ready. Here we go. This is why. And he's speaking this to you and me. You're going to be leaving your comfort zone tonight as I pass over leaving everything you've known up to this point. Everything that you've known. And when we emerge from this, the world will not look the same. It will not be the same. For the Israelites, they were leaving Egypt where they had been in slavery for 400 years, generation after generation. But for you and I, the world has never been in this place. And after we come out of Corona, and yes, I believe it will pass over and we will see uh, the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. There's going to be a place where we break out and he does something supernatural. I do believe that. I believe also, though, he's saying, I want you, church, to be ready because you're going into new territory. I'm doing a new thing, and you cannot do it the way that you did it before. It will not be the same. Your priorities need to be changed now. They need to be sorted and made right now. And, and we're going to come out, and your, your family relationships should be different when we have this Passover. You're, the way that you do church and understand and church should be different. Praise God, it will be different. And we will never go back to the way it was before. This is going to happen in our day. Jeremiah 15, 19, we need to have discernment. And here it is. Know how to humble ourselves. Humble yourself. I, I'm choosing to do this. Humble yourself now because, again, you and I, on our own, apart from God, do not know what is right and what is wrong. We do not know what is wisdom. We do not understand how to separate the vile from the precious, the worthless from the things that are of value and how to extract them. You have to be filled with the spirit of the living God right now. The headlines are saying one thing out of this side of the mouth and one thing out of this side. It, it contradicts here and over here. You read every day. It's, it's maddening and it's confusing and it makes 
makes you unstable in all of your ways if you are looking for the headlines to tell you what's happening in the world today. Even some of the, the different quote-unquote prophets of God are speaking words that, that we want to hear because it makes us feel good. But what we need to be able to do is to discern and know the difference and be able to extract from what is worthless and then pull out what is of God and hear His voice. Remember, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. These are the days where the church is going to emerge and actually there's going to be a, like, a, like a sifting through. And, and you're not going to be able to make it if you don't really have that relationship with the Prince of Peace who's coming again soon. The birth pains have begun. So Heavenly Father, with that, even just being, a, you know, part one of where you're leading us into, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would continue to just minister to us um, in this message as we wrap up, um, you know, first and second Kings. And then again, how it lines up prophetically with what you're doing. Uh, only you could do this, Lord God. I mean, we're in first and second Kings. And Lord, when I did the reading this week, um, I was electrified because I saw how once again you have lined up the scriptures um, to, to prophetically go with the times and the seasons that we are living in presently. So we just thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this week in our reading, though, we ended first and second Kings, and I'll show you how it ties into Passover in a second with ultimately, listen, Jerusalem's demise. So this is, a, this is a picture of when you do not do what Jeremiah 15, 19 says. Watch what happens. The Babylonian exile happens. The unavoidable consequence, uh, since they would not listen to God. They would not listen to the voice of the true prophets of God. They would not turn from their sin. Um, so you, you read about... <laughs> Honestly, coup after coup, um, each king following after other gods. Um, you, you read about assassinations, murder, there's violence and wickedness and injustice. And I am talking about the kings of Israel and Judah, uh, all leading up to chapter 17, uh, where the empire of Assyria comes and takes out, wipes out the northern kingdom there. Uh, remember, Israel now it, it has, where it was once unified in, in one kingdom under David's leadership and then Solomon, but because of his sin, it broke into two and you have the northern kingdom and the southern um, kingdom. And the northern kingdom made Samaria its capital and it's conquered and the Israelites are scattered never to return. We don't have a picture. They call the 10 lost tribes, you know, that have been scattered all over uh, uh, the earth there. The scriptures point out that God has allowed this to happen as a consequence of their free will choice to worship other gods, to break covenant with him. Listen, they had, this is the grace and the mercy of God. They had 19 kings reign for two 150 years, 250 years, seven different dynasties. And in all of those, did they ever turn and learn their lesson and come back to the ways with God? No, they didn't. Um, so that is why they're in the situation that they're in. Now, the southern kingdom has a few righteous kings who, uh, if you remember Hezekiah, he put his trust 
in God. When the uh, Assyria comes to attack Jerusalem in 2 Kings chapter 18 through 20, and then we get to Josiah. This is amazing. He's another king um, who discovers in chapters 22 and 23 the lost scrolls of Torah in the temple. And he goes and he takes them and he reads the words, God's living word. And his heart is stirred and broken and he is convicted. And he goes through the nation and removes the idols and their worship and the Canaanite influence from the land. Let me read you a little part. I mean, I could go on and on, but okay. So, Josiah, that one king that we were just talking about, he tore down the altars that the kings of Judah had built on the palace roof above the upper room of Ahaz. The king destroyed the altars that Manasseh had built in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. He smashed them to bits and he scattered them to pieces in the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the pagan shrines east of Jerusalem to the south of Mount Corruption. Listen, where King Solomon, King Solomon of Israel had built shrines for Ashtoreth, the detestable goddess of the Sidonians, and Chemosh, the detestable god of the Moabites, and for Molech, the vile god of the Ammonites. He smashed the sacred pillars, and Josiah cut down the Ashtoreth poles, and then he desecrated these places and scattered human bones over them. There's that Solomonic wisdom, and it's gonna come into play of dividing the baby in half and the land being divided in half, here we are in coronavirus, but let's keep going. So then Josiah demolished all the buildings at the pagan shrines, the towns of Samaria, just as he had done at Bethel. They had been built by various kings of Israel. Okay, these are God's people. And it made the Lord very angry. He executed the priests of the pagan shrines on their own altars. He burned the human bones on the altars to desecrate them. And finally, he returned to Judah. Now listen and pay attention here. King Josiah then issued this order to all the people. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as required in the book of the covenant. There had not been a Passover celebration like that since the time when the judges ruled in Israel, nor throughout all the years of the kings of Israel and Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah's reign, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Now, you know, we are looking forward, we're in the Holy Week, and we are looking forward to Good Friday, where our Lord Jesus Christ becomes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world as He's put on the cross for our sins, and He pays the price, and He reconciles us back to God. He raises from the dead on Sunday, um, and we, we have the resurrection story. We're going to celebrate that. But Passover is this Wednesday. Um, and my family, um, even though we are not bound by law to do this uh, as, as Gentiles, we are going to extract the precious and, and the, the things of beauty and value out of that first Passover and the Seder meal and then remember what God did and the faithfulness of God uh, in that, you know, getting them out from Egypt into the promised land. We're going we're gonna to practice that. We're going to do that. 
that in our home, and I highly recommend that you do that this Passover with that super moon, like God with his flashlights, my dad keeps saying, shining that light over that Passover. This is a special, amazing Passover. And there are things for us to teach to our kids and to come under um, in the flow of what he's doing, what he's speaking right now. There's things for you to glean in that. So I highly recommend doing that. But to finish up here, Judah, sadly, still ends up in exile. The king Manasseh between these two kings is mentioned in chapter 21, 2 Kings, and he's the worst king, it says. He institutes the worship of idol statues in the temple, in the very temple of God in Jerusalem. So God sends his prophets to say, there is no more time to turn back. And, and, and that is true. There is coming a day when the Lord will come back. There is no more time, he says, to repent and to turn. So uh, harden not your heart. <laughs> but exile is here, is what they say. And, and Judah, here in the south, they had 20 kings that reigned 370 years. They had one dynasty that came from the Davidic line, David's line, but they had an extra century to learn and to turn, and they still didn't learn their lessons. So chapters 24 through 25 finish with telling us of the Babylonians invading Jerusalem. So sad that they destroy the temple, and the people and the royal line of David are carried off into exile, but God. God is not done with Israel, or the line of David. This is so interesting. There's this final um, piece in 2 Kings, and you kind of get to, it's like the last paragraph, really. And it tells us this really peculiar, strange little story that seems completely out of place and random. Um, but here is God, and here is his plan of redemption, that thread that goes throughout. Um, and, and it's right there at the end of the book. If you read it, it takes you, actually, 40 years into the future, um, and it tells about a descendant of David, Jehoiakim, who would have been king if the exile had not taken place. And the weirdest thing, only the Lord, completely supernatural, unbeknownst to him, the king of Babylon releases him from prison in 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 27 through 30. He invites this would-be king from the line of David to eat at the king's table for the rest of his life, and then the book ends. So here, right there at the very end, when all hope seems lost, <laughs> we have hope. And we will continue to go through God's word and our story to see how God is going to fulfill his promise to Abraham and also to David and bring his messianic kingdom. And we're living in between that story right now presently, aren't we? We know that Jesus Christ is Yeshua, the son of the living God, that he is the lamb who took away the sins of the world, that he already conquered death. There is no longer any separation between us and our father. We are in relationship with him once again, uh, but we are still waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Jesus Christ, which is very, very near, nearer than it's ever been before. The prophetic signs are showing up and it's seemingly all at once. We're living in these days. And, and uh, you know, so uh, 
here we are getting ready on the eve basically of Passover as you're watching this on Tuesday. And, and I would say, I hope that you're hearing what the Lord is speaking to us right now. Close with me in prayer and just posture your heart. Picture Jesus, who's very near and present right now. Um, and so, Father, I just thank you and I praise you for your word. I thank you that you tell us the, the end from the beginning. There are no surprises with you, Lord God. That, that you even right now have this word for your church that's listening and open. Lord God, we right now, I, I stand with uh, my brothers and sisters, we humble ourselves in the sight of the living God. And we say we do not know, um, uh, you know, we, we don't even know what even this coronavirus thing is. You've got people talking about it. it came from people eating bats and then it was, you know, biohazard made over here in this place. It's the 5G. We're getting messages all over the place, Lord God. And, and, and Lord, it's, it can be very scary. And it's this picture of us huddled in our homes right now like that first Passover. But I think even with this sign in the heavens of the supermoon, Lord, for those who are listening and attentive to you, we're under the blood of the lamb. We, we, are, we are protected. We're safe because you are our protection, Lord God. And we crown you, Jesus Christ, King. Um, and Lord, we ask right now that you would, like Jeremiah 15, 19, Teach us as kids, your children, how to, how to separate the vile from the precious, how to extract the precious from what is worthless, Lord God. Not man's wisdom, not man's words, not prophets who only speak what we want to hear, but we humble ourselves, we make ourselves ready Again, for your spirit to speak to us, Lord God, your word to be in us so that the Holy Spirit can draw those words out and make them come alive. And, and, and then also, Lord, make us ready for the new thing that you're going to do as this passes over. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Mm -hmm.